0: Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Pastor Larry Davis. Good morning. All right. Sweet. My name is Larry. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, don't worry, Ken's coming back next week. This is my last week I get to spend with you guys talking about the series, Bless His Home. Um, but I am personally really excited about the Student Center. And Jesse talked to you guys about this little handout in there. This is for you to take home, so like pull it out right now, put it in your purse, put it in your pocket, whatever, so that way later when you're cleaning stuff out, you're like, oh yeah, and then you can like hang it up, it's for you to pray about. On the front there, there's actually some testimony from some of our students that are excited about this, on the back, it's a little more broken down into what we're doing and how we're trying to do that, and so that way over the next couple weeks, you guys can just be praying about that and see kind of what part you're going to play in this, and a part that everybody can play in this is just praying for these students. School's starting this week. Some of them, the school's already started. Um, We can pray for our teachers and the administrators there. Many of you guys are uh, involved in that part of academia. So I'm thankful for the work that you guys do and excited that we get to um, broaden our reach through this student center. So uh, we are continuing. Wow, if my notes will work. Uh, We're continuing this series Uh, Called Bless This Home. And um, the last three weeks, or the two weeks, we've talked about this. Uh, We talked about some specifics. And those specifics were as we've used these Beatitudes. It's where we got our specifics from. It's found in the book of Matthew, uh, which is in the New Testament, and it's in chapter five. And Jesus gave the sermon, and he gave Beatitudes. He gave eight blessings or blessedness. And uh, we've applied those to the family. And really, it's for anybody. So we're aiming like at the family, but everybody else is shrapnel. So you guys are all able to take something home from this. Uh, It definitely can connect with you. The first week, we talked about hungering and thirsting for righteousness. Uh, for they will be filled by God. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. So we talked about what does it look like to hunger and thirst in your home? And what do most of us hunger and thirst for? So we had that discussion and a lot of us went home and analyzed that. And we talked about a couple simple things that we can do to keep hungering and thirsting our home kind of active and happening all the time. One of those is to make sure that um, God's in our conversation, that he's approachable, that he's involved, and that he's lovable. So we can love him in all circumstances and that he loves us. So those are some ways that we can hunger and thirst for righteousness in our home. So we talked about the first week. Last week, we talked about something really fun, right? <laughs> we talked about, blessed are the peacemakers. Well, that's always fun. Uh, not the peacetakers, because we have so many peacetakers in our home. And not the peacekeepers. We talked about how many of us just are keepers of the peace. And I heard many stories this week, I think four, uh, about people who actually got put into circumstances this week where they recognized, hey, I have an opportunity to be a peacemaker not just a keeper, Uh, and I I recognize that language and what God's given me an opportunity right now to make peace in this situation and not just keep the peace in the situation by avoiding the conflict, so they were making peace this week by going through the problem and not around it like so often we end up doing just because it's easy, Uh, but then it just kind of blows up in our face and comes back to get us, so blessed are the peacemakers. This week, I gave you guys an option, so... Uh, It was fun. I didn't remember it last week in the first service, but second service I did last week. And so those of you who were in second service last week had an opportunity. I told you, I said, hey, I'm going to let you guys pick. What are we going to talk about? Are we going to talk about um, blessed are the pure in heart, uh, for they will see God, or are we going to talk about blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness? And um, I said, hey, tweet me, and nobody did because nobody could figure out how to do that. (laughs) Uh, Or I said, hey, you can use Facebook. And so um, some of you guys use Facebook, like five <laughs> I figured out how to do that. And, uh, overwhelmingly, I think four to one, it was, uh, <laughs> it was pure in heart. And I like kind of freaked out a little bit. I was kind of bummed because I was like, man, I totally want to talk about persecuted. Cause that's like fun and good stories. And we talk about, man, we get persecuted. And you said, no, we want to talk about pure and heart. And I went, oh, this is going to be tough. So <laughs> it's been a long week. Let's have, let's have a tough conversation today. <laughs> Um, so, today we're talking about pure in heart uh, from the Beatitudes, and we're talking about purity in your family and what that looks like. Um, how many of you guys, this is a sad, sad statistic, but how many of you guys have ever been robbed of something? Yeah, a lot of you guys have been robbed of something. Jeez Louise. Um, some of you have been robbed of something physically, some of you guys have been robbed of something emotionally. There's many different ways of being robbed, but some, a lot of you guys have been robbed. And, um, when uh, I was going to college, uh, I lived uh, in this area because it's all I could afford. But I lived in the hood, no joke, down in Southern California. I won't tell you exactly where it's at, um, but it was like there was nights where me and my roommate were crawling, army we crawling, the ground because we thought we were getting shot up, and it was fireworks. <laughs> it was totally, it was scary all the time. There were shoes hanging because people would beat people up and hang their shoes up, and. It was scary stuff. So I was always, we had a bat by the door. I was like always ready and nervous. And since then, it's made me, especially now that I have a family, like much more as like, especially when my wife and I first got married, uh, like I had an ax by my bed. I'd hear a noise and I was like up with the ax. And it wasn't like a normal like chopping down logs ax. It was like a medieval, like I used to do anything with it, it's going to get something on you. It's going to mess you up. And so I have dedicated myself to being a human weapon. Uh... So don't ever come to my house, unexpected, (laughs) because I have things, I have tricks, (laughs) it is is crazy. So I protect myself um, from being robbed or someone come in and to um, take something from me or hurt my family. And we do a really good job of that, don't we? We do a really good job as a society at protecting our family, our children, our loved ones, ourselves. Um, you know, some of you guys who are older remember this, or I remember my uh, great-grandmas or my grams would always tell me, like, yeah, you, you used to sit in the front seat and didn't have to wear a seatbelt. I remember uh, I had my, my first car was a 53 Dodge. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't alive then, uh, but <laughs> uh, it didn't have a seat belt, And I'm like, what car doesn't have a seatbelt? belt?" And I had to install a seat belt so I could drive around my truck. Uh, so if we, we've done a good job as things have kind of gone by and time has passed at protecting ourselves. And uh, focusing on that. Uh, Many of us, you know, we put helmets on our kids and knee pads and and knee pads and elbow pads just to go check the mail because we're worried, you know, something's going to happen to them. You know, we got to protect them and keep them from getting like, you know, concussions, all those things. We've done a really good job of that. And society and we, we applaud one another, don't we? Like, if we don't see that, we're like, we were vocal about it. We will be upset and say, uh uh, like, you need to take care of your children, you need to protect your children physically. But what we don't do that great of a job at, and we kind of do the opposite of, is protecting the hearts and the purity of ourselves and our family. In fact, sometimes society will actually make fun of us a little bit. If you're overprotective, you're like, wow, you're so hardcore. You're so overprotective, like, whoa, you're like a freak of something. You know, look at you guys in your little bubble. It's the real world, you know. We get um, beat up because a lot of times we protect our children and ourselves physically, but we don't do that great of a job emotionally and spiritually to protect our hearts. And so that's something we're going to talk about today. In Matthew 5, 8 is our beatitude. I'm going to kind of jump around to some other things today. There's notes in your in there. i give you some fill-ins, which is really just breadcrumbs to get back to what we talked about today. Um, It says this, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. So blessed are the pure in what? For they will see who? They will see God. That's a big deal. Um, See, God, when Jesus, when he was giving this uh, message and he was talking about this, he wasn't just talking about um, the word for it. The word heart It uh, meant cardia, or it's actually where we get the word cardiac from. Now, when he was talking about this, he wasn't saying, Blessed is the pure in heart, like the organ that pumps and keeps you alive. You need to have low cholesterol, make sure you eat your Cheerios every day uh, to protect yourself. He wasn't talking about that so you'd stay alive. He was talking about something much more bigger, a metaphor uh, about emotions, feelings, inner self. And it was more than that, it was more than just about the organ itself. Uh, And we could sit here, and I could tell you, I'm not even going to be able to touch on everything that it meant and that it could do for us, but I'm going to focus on just a few specifics this morning. See, a lot of times we get in this um, world where we say, follow your heart. Some of you guys, how many of you guys have ever given that wisdom? I've totally given that. Like, you should just follow your heart, right? Yeah, a couple of hands. A couple of us use that. Well, We were wrong. <laughs> Uh, so what we learned, which is kind of crazy, it kind of a slap in the face in the Bible, that that's not the best decision. You know, we say that. Well, they've got a good heart. It's okay because they have a good heart. You know, you can totally. I'm. To- I know he doesn't have a job. And he lives in a van down by the river, and he 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 eats weed for dinner. But he's got a good heart. He really has a good heart, right? It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't work like that. That just following your heart. See, the Bible actually tells us. Um, Some different things that are super surprising. That's actually wrong information that we shouldn't just follow our heart. And this is your first fill-in. Without Christ, there is no such thing as a pure heart. Without Christ. Without Christ doing surgery on us, making us new, giving us new heart. There is no such thing as a pure heart. It says in Jeremiah 17, 9 through 10, it says, The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure underline that. That's kind of freaky. That's kind of scary. That's like an eye-opener. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. We want to think of it like it's pretty, and we want to draw hearts, and it's special, and it's only for love. It's deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind. In uh, Ephesians 4, 18-19, it says, they are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. They are darkened. Everybody say darkened. darkened. That means like dark, like a dark room. Just so you know, uh, They're darkened, they're clouded by it. How many of you guys have ever been into a, uh, gone into like a room and you're like, no, there's a light switch there, but you can't see it. Maybe you get in the middle of the night, you go to the bathroom and you come out and you're like, whoa, gosh, I know there's a bed there and I'm gonna stub my toe and break it on the dresser. But you're reaching for the light, but you can't really turn the light. Or like, how many of you got onto into the movie theater? And you like walk in and it's bright outside and you walk in and you just stand there for a minute because your eyes need to get adjusted, right? You sit around and you walk around the corner and you're staring up looking for a seat. Everyone's staring at you looking for the seat, but you can't see where there's a seat because you haven't adjusted yet. And everyone's like, hey, you shouldn't have brought Subway in here. That's against the rules. <clears throat> right? You've totally done that where you're just looking around for the seat because your eyes haven't adjusted to it, Right? Your eyes haven't adjusted to the dark in this room, but once they have, you can totally see, and that's why everybody else can see that you brought the candy that you, weren't, that you didn't really buy from the candy shop uh, into the movie theater, because we can see everything, and we're comfortable. It's just like a good place to be, and we know what's going on. Our eyes adjust. And it says that are, we, they are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is, that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts, He's saying, hey, it's, you're like normal and stuff, but what's happened is, is you've gotten some dark stuff going on here, and you've just kind of adjusted to it, it's just kind of what you're living in. You can see everything. You feel comfortable. It wasn't necessarily comfortable in the beginning, maybe not the way it was supposed to be, maybe not the clarity you're supposed to have, but now you're darkened to this, and you understanding, and that separates you from God. And 19, verse 19 says, having lost all sensitivity they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity. See, we, uh, we want to protect our family. I know that. We want to protect our kids. But sometimes we just have, it gets darkened a little bit, you know. We're not going to go up to our baby and give her baby a bottle of poison. Like the obvious stuff. We're not going to go um, and, and tell our kids to go get in a pool that's full of acid and go swimming. Like that's obvious stuff. But we still do these things that we've just kind of adjusted to. Let me give you some examples of how in life we just still kind of do things. Like we let our 15-year-old daughter go on a date in a car with a guy we've never met, some hairy, boy, pubescent person, right? And in our mind think we were supposed to say we had a gun and we were supposed to be holding it when they showed up, (laughs) or something like that it doesn't happen, but we do that, right? We, we do things like let our 14-year-old son have a smartphone uh, with unlimited access, not knowing what's going on because we just don't understand. We do that to ourselves, right? We give out like a smartphone or we have access to the internet and something like that. We just don't understand everything about it, but we've darkened ourselves to be like, oh, it's okay. It's like your child needing medicine, And you go into the medicine cabinet and the labels are off, and you're saying, "Uh, I think this is it. It should maybe help, but you don't know the implications of what they're taking, just like the phone. It is scary. It's scary, even to me, what's so easily accessible. Uh, we, We just figure, like, that's what's going on. We'll figure it out. And so many parents come up to me later and be like, oh my gosh, how do I do Facebook? How do I do Twitter? How do I do all these things that I don't even know the names of that my child is doing and really good at? We're proud for a second because we're like, "My kids are really good at this stuff. They're teaching me." Right? We do that. But what you don't understand is you're not protecting their hearts from all those things because of the things that they're accessible that are accessible to them. It is scary how easily you can get things. We don't think you can get or see like nude pictures or inappropriate pictures on Twitter or Facebook, and you can. And I didn't believe it either. I was like, no way, man. They got totally things that can like, hide that stuff. And someone told me, no, it's super easy. Just Google it. And in like five seconds, I had access to inappropriate material on the internet, on my phone, on my laptop, wherever. And no one could tell that I went there because it looked innocent because I was doing Facebook or Twitter or some social media. And we do that. We get darkened to those things. And realistically, we're giving our child and our family poisons, or even for ourselves, an opportunity to fail. Or give money for movies and music that we know nothing about. You know? Things that are we're seeing or we're putting into our mind, into our heart. And this is the difference. And this is really challenging. This was a really tough week for me because you know I'm dealing with these things too. And this is the difference between being a Christian home. You know, we say eighty one percent of people in Americans today say they're Christian. Only 20, 21% or so actually go to church on a regular basis, but 81% or so say that they're Christians. So they would say, we have a Christian home. Yeah, if our home had to pick something, we'd be Christian. We're going to have to bless this home over our fireplace and outside of our house and do those types of things. But the difference is, is we don't want to just be a Christian family. We want to be a what? A Christ-centered, a Christ-centered home. We will not want to be a Christian family. We want to be a, yes, a Christ-centered home which is different and it's tough because it means it's the center of things. It means we're, we're looking out for those things. We're looking out for the purity of our hearts and our family's hearts. It says in Psalms one nineteen nine nine through 10, how can a young person stay in the path of purity? By living according to your word. Verse 10, I will seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray your commands. This is edited towards family. So this is a verse for your family. Psalms 19, 1, nine through 10 how can our family stay on the path of purity by living according to your word we will seek you with all of our hearts do not let us stray from your commands you know this is a, a fairly intense message <laughs> not to be too intense or offensive it's just something we're working through right now and the great, you know the bible's saying it and some of you who are single or don't have family or don't have kids You're sitting back, or you're young, you're a teenager, you're sitting back going, hey man, no worries, I can kind of do what I want, just like the college days. Like it's college, it's what you do, everyone's done it, right? It's high school, it's what you do. Sitting here saying, go ahead and give it to them, Larry. (laughs) Bring it on, I'm all good, I'm going to sit back and relax, and I can kind of do what I want, you know, watch what I want, listen to what I want, when I get a family, you know, it'll change, i will start bringing the kids back to church, it's kind of what happens, Listen to me. It doesn't matter if you're 8 or you're 88. It matters. It 100% matters. Don't build a life of righteousness on a foundation of sin. That was really good. I might even tweet that later. (laughs) Listen to this. Don't Don't build... (laughs) You're not going to see it, you're right. Don't build... A life of righteousness on a foundation of sin. It'll come crumbling down. So let's just say that we have impurities in our lives and in our families. Let's just say we do. So how can we change that? So there's many different things that I could give you, ideas, ways that you could do it, but I'm just going to focus on three. So creating a culture of purity in your notes. Number one, first thing you need to do is get your own heart right. Start with you. You're in control of you. You make your decisions. So get your own heart right. Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Isn't that crazy to think of? Above all else, above, you know, everything else, (laughs) guard your heart. If you walk through life thinking that, like, man, above all else I need to do right now, I need to guard my heart because everything flows from it. Where does this come from? comes from your heart. You know, some things that you can do to guard your own heart are obvious, you know, like wife swapping, not a good idea. (laughs) Uh, But little things, details, like reading the books you read, uh, the magazines you read, um, traveling with the opposite sex sex on um, business uh, outings, uh, or going out and about. Um, My dad might get mad at this, but, you know, like, He's, he knows what's going on, and, and only like a year and a half ago, he was on a business trip and wanted to save money, he ended up sharing a hotel room with some other woman. Don't judge. <laughs> Don't even judge. All oh, your ooh. Uh, but he knows better, but it's those sorts of things, like staying above reproach, and being like, hey, I understand that you're not a thinker, <laughs> But still, those are some things you've got to guard your own heart. You've got to guard your own heart. The people that you're hanging out with. And we say, like, well, I'll just let my conscience be a guide, right? My conscience will just kind of tell me and flag me and say this is what's going on. And this is the scary thing, too, in the Bible. It says your conscience can be seared. So don't let just your conscience be your guide because it can give you the wrong direction. A lot of things we say, well, it doesn't bother me, uh, you know, the things that I'm doing—it's the world. I'm not going to live in a bubble. Uh, I'm not telling you to live in a bubble, but you know, I'm not going to be like so sheltered. It doesn't bother me. It shouldn't bother you that much. Uh, I'm sure many of you had those types of conversations. Um, things like being entertained by sin—it's kind of a powerful statement. There is so many things that are hilarious to us now, in the way comedy has turned, and the way we're entertained because of sin, because of crudeness, because of racism, and it's funny. It's So we think, well, that's, that was funny. Come on, that was funny. I mean, that was funny probably because it was so inappropriate. But we're paying money to be entertained by that, and that's not how we protect our hearts. Like five years ago, I was so stoked that the movie 300 was coming out and because uh, I love those types of movies. And I was like, whatever, blood violence, it's history, right? <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> I got a bunch of the, a bunch of my dudes. We had started a church and a bunch of new dudes from the church, got them together, and there was like eight of us. We were going to go see the movie on opening Day. We had taken that morning off at like 10 a.m for that first show, and we went in there and watched the movie, and I was like, all good with it, and uh, it had suddenly some very like sexually explicit scenes in it and some inappropriate stuff in there. And I found myself sitting there going be like, oh, man, I'm like the pastor and like hanging out with these dudes right now. We're just like, this is a great movie, guys. And uh, <laughs> I'm sure they were sitting there the same way, like, oh, man, we're watching this movie right now. And uh, afterwards, it was, you know, kind of awkward. But what I realized in that moment is that I um, started losing sensitivity to what was good decision and not decision and what could mess up the purity and protect myself and those around me that I just become bland to it like oh it's just what happens it's just the thing appropriate things to watch and later on a couple of years later this movie called The Hangover um came out and um I got chastised a lot because I wouldn't go see it and I still haven't and then, you know I got and I have a lot of my friend circle is in the church and that's fine and um A lot of people like Chastain is like, don't be so hardcore. It's like seriously a funny movie. Like just go see it. Just the end is good. You don't have to watch the end because it's bad on the end. But that's it. Everything else is fine. And I thought, why? Why would I even do that? And I'm not trying to be like, you know, super awesome, pure, not real person because that's not who I am and tell you that you're bad if you've watched The Hangover or a movie like that. But still, it was those sorts of things that I was like, you know, I need to protect myself. I already kind of know the premise behind it. I've heard some things about it. Why would I do myself like that? So what if it's what the world does and the culture does? I need to protect myself. I need to protect my heart. And I need to stop rationalizing things that are impure. I need to look at the friends that I hang out with, the thoughts that I have, the things that I watch, the things that I read, the games that I play, the language I use, and the attitudes that I have. Number two, we need to parent to the heart. Most parents parent to the actions we need a parent to the heart, not just to the actions. 1 Samuel 16:7. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. The Lord looks at the heart. People see the outside. And that's a lot of times what we focus on. Jesus focused on the heart. He said, Hey, you shouldn't murder. Or you shouldn't uh, commit adultery. But if you've even looked at a woman lustfully, you've committed adultery in your heart. He knew about the heart. The Pharisees, the other guys, you know, killing them, said, hey, we're on the outside. The cup looks really nice, but it's dirty on the inside. We're going to be really good. We're going to look holier than now. We're going to look perfect because this is how you're supposed to look. This is how people are going to see us. And it was the outside of the cup. And the biggest mistakes in parenting, we often focus on the outward only. And outward submission leads to inward rebellion. It's like going up to your cabinet and grabbing a cup that looks clean on the inside, filling it up, and then drinking, and then seeing the stuff in the bottom, being like, oh, because it wasn't clean. <laughs> I don't know. Anybody ever done that before? I totally have. Okay, I've done it too many times, unfortunately. But, but it's no good. A bowl or a cup that's dirty on the inside. You don't want that. It looks good on the outside, but it's all messed up on the inside. And our kids, we see it, you know. You see, other kids, they do something, and you're like, you need to go apologize. And they go over there, and they're like, oh, I'm sorry, you big baby. <laughs> and you're, you can't blame them because they're like, you apologized. They did what you want them to do on the outside. But it's not, that's not what it's about. It's about the heart of the issue. Um, the, we, you know, <laughs> He's not a big baby. You punched him in the face, and he's got a black eye. Uh, you want them to understand that. Or they slam their door because they can't hang out with their friends. The right actions come from the right heart. Uh, Occasionally, my daughter does this, and she's been kind of funny about these things. She, um, uh, you know, will do something to someone or something, and we will be like, you need to say sorry, you know, like most of us typically do. And she would not say sorry to the point, like, she is crying, devastated, buried, like, I will not say sorry, I don't want to do it, and like, oh, don't make me do this. And you're like, oh my gosh, just... Please, we want to leave. Just say sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Just do it. (laughs) Um, But you know what? Gave her space and realized, you know, she probably gets more of this than we do. And, uh, you know, there's been many times that have just been (sighs) to me when we've been driving down the road. And even a day later, a couple hours later, on her own, random conversation comes up and says, you know, I need to go apologize to mom when we get home. uh, Because what I did was blah, 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 blah. And gets it. Uh, her heart gets it. It's not just an outward thing. It's an inward. Uh, it comes from the heart, and that's when it's the right action. And the last one, pursue perfect purity of the heart. I use those words on purpose. And that word is pursue. <laughs> pursue, because it's tough. It's an active, all-the-time pursuit. Uh, it's not going to happen, I'm going to be honest. Um, you know, because I'm not going to lie to you guys. Um, but pursue perfect purity of the heart. Anything less than perfect, purity is impurity. Anything less than perfect purity is impurity, because it's not pure. It's not perfect. In Ephesians 5:3, but among you, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. So how much impurity should we let in? Zero. Yeah, none, not even a hint. That's, like, really tough. But it's like this story I heard of this uh, kid. He told his mom, hey, I really want to go to this movie with my friends. And she's like, well, I don't know if it's appropriate. And he says, well, it's only PG-13. It's got some bad language and some violence and stuff. Not that big of a deal. It's only kind of bad. And she's a little bad. And she went, no, I really don't think it's that good for you, and I don't think it's appropriate uh, right now. Well, come on, Mom. It's not that bad. It's not, it's not that bad. And so she said, okay, fine. I'll let you go. But first, I want to make you some brownies. So I said, really? Yeah, I'm going to make you some brownies. You can totally sneak him in the movie theater. No. <laughs> and so uh, she started making this batch of brownies, and then she went in the backyard and just got a little piece of dog poop. And she got that little piece of dog poop, she put it in the brownies. I love that I'm saying poop in here. Um, she put the poop in the brownies, stirred it up, made the brownies, and put it in front of him and said, here's the brownies. And she goes, oh, wait, but I have to tell you, there's some dog poop in it, but just a little bit. And he's like, what? That's disgusting. I'm not going to eat these brownies. No, it's just a little bit of dog poop. A little poop goes a long way, let me tell you. So she said, hey, it's just like your movie. It's just a little bad, right? The brownies just got a little poop in them. So how much impurity? Not even a hint. That's tough. So that's why we constantly have to pursue perfect impurity. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they'll see what? They'll see God. God. Can you imagine what that looks like in your house, to have a house of purity, that you'll see God in your house, that you'll see God working and moving in your house and in your life? I don't know if some of us could. It's tough until it happens. It's a challenge. So what if we are impure? What if we're defensive and you're like, man, you've really offended me today and I feel like you're judging me. I'm not uh, evaluating me. Not really. It's hard. It's hard. It is hard. But here's the good news. In Ezekiel thirty six, twenty-six, God said, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Psalm fifty one ten says, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and I will renew a steadfast spirit within me. Parents, we need to understand. Why a life of purity is better for the family, and they must teach and demonstrate it in all you do. You must teach and demonstrate it in all you do to those who are around you. A pure heart. It's a super tough conversation, but it's doable because if you can hunger and thirst for righteousness and, and, and question yourself, what am I hungering for? If you can focus on being a peacemaker. And if you can pursue purity and get yourself right first, I believe with all my heart that God will bless your home, he'll bless your family, he'll bless your relationships in ways you would have never imagined or foreseen. Would you bow your heads with me? Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Venetia, California.